Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. If you were with us last Sunday, some things have changed. We are clearly preparing for not only Advent, but the annual celebration of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day when Christians all over the world celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we do that not only by decorating outwardly, but preparing our hearts and our minds and our spirits inwardly. And today we are beginning a new worship series for Advent, and every Sunday we will be discussing one of the persons in not only the nativity scene, but in the scripture passages about this joyful occasion. And today we begin with Mary. We begin with Mary because without Mary, this wouldn't look or feel or sound the way it was. And Mary was the first to hear of this blessed coming in the gospel account of Luke. And you heard that it didn't happen as one might expect. Here is young Mary and Our records tell us that she was probably a teenager, somewhere between an uncomfortable 12 years old and a more comfortable 16 years old, rather than the more mature Mary we often see depicted. But the culture was of that day that women in their teens would be married off to their slightly older husbands, and they would begin their life together, the husband inheriting the estate from his parents and she becoming part of his family. Mary was getting ready to do this, being engaged to Joseph, who was of the lineage of King David. But they were not yet to the point where Mary expected to be with child. And so when the angel Gabriel appeared, everything was changing instantly for Mary. There the angel comes, and we know from repeated accounts in the scriptures from the Old Testament, including this in the New Testament, that angels appear and there is something powerful and tangible about their presence, that the divinity with which they come can be overwhelming. And so they constantly tell people, do not be afraid. But the angel waits to tell Mary this. Instead, he greets her by name. Greetings, favored one. He tells her that the Lord has blessed her, that she has been privileged with something. And as he continues, Mary clearly is not exactly sure what is going on or how she should react. And the angel seems to be able to sense her confusion. The text says that she was perplexed. And so he goes into greater depth to say, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And now, because of this, you will conceive and bear a son. And Mary, he will be great, the son of the Most High, the son of God, and the Lord God will give to him the lineage, the throne, the kingdom of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. And Mary lives in a world where the reign of David seems far from where she is. The Roman Empire is in charge. Things are not the way they were in the Old Testament, in the Torah, and in the prophetic books. So what the angel is telling her is immediately disconcerting. And Mary says in her humble response, 
How can this be? I am a virgin. And often we gloss over this, but Mary is making a declaration. She is telling the angel in a very subtle way that she has been a good Jew, that she knows what the law is, and she has kept God's ordinances. She is pure. She has not violated what is upon her. She has remained intact as a virgin, and she's not sure how it is that this is supposed to happen. She is not yet married. She does not yet have a husband with whom to father this child. And in her confusion and in her undertone of fear, the angel responds to her that the Holy Spirit will come upon her. It will overshadow her, and that is how the child will be born, that the child's father shall not be human, but God Almighty." It's a lot to take in for a young woman. I think it would be a lot for us to take in no matter what our age is. And he goes on to tell her that this is the way it shall be. And as she's processing this, he gives her a sign. He says, your relative Elizabeth, who was too old to conceive a child, has done this. And that she's already in the sixth month of her pregnancy. He does not reveal to her that the child that Elizabeth carries will be John the Baptist, but that this child is also part of the prophecy. He has disclosed to Mary that she will become part of that which is proclaimed in Isaiah and other prophets of the Old Testament, that the Messiah is coming and she will bear him in the world. And Elizabeth's pregnancy and her child are part of that as well, because nothing will be impossible for our God. And Mary has this opportunity right before she speaks to try to process everything that God has just revealed to her, that God knows her, that God has favored her, that God is with her, that she has an important role to play. And all of these things, if she is to become pregnant in this way, who will vouch for her that she has not broken the Torah? Who will proclaim that she is still Levitically pure? Who will stand by her when others know that she should not be pregnant? She lives in a world where she knows the high risk and the cost of being a young woman and seemingly pregnant out of wedlock. She knows that they stone women. She knows that she could be accused of adultery. She understands that there could be a threat to her physical body as well as her social standing. And yet, nothing but pure obedience comes out of her mouth. She doesn't do as many of us would do and say, can I have a moment to talk about it with my, pa- my family? You know, my parents might be a little concerned if I just show up this way. Is it possible that you could give me a night to sleep on it? Or could I get about two weeks to pray on it and then just conveniently forget to get back to you? She doesn't do any of those things. Her response is incredible. She proclaims, here am I, the servant of the Lord. I am here, and you have called me by name. You have given me the title of favored one, and yet the title she takes for herself is servant. I am God's servant. May it be with me as you have said, because I am here not for myself or my family, but for God Almighty. And she sets the standard for our response to God's call. To know that God has asked us to do things that are intimidating, that might be in conflict with what the world wants. To know that God is asking us to do things that our family might not agree with. 
to know that God has placed upon our hearts and sometimes by the opening of doors opportunities to engage in mission and ministry that other people will not like. They may persecute us, they may slight us, they may ostracize us or cast us aside. And yet, despite all of those heavy burdens, and she's old enough to be very aware of all of them, her love of God overrides any doubt. And she says to them, I am here. She tells Gabriel, and in doing so, she tells God, here I am. May it be with me as you have said. We are moving into a time, not only in the church, but in our culture, where everyone is preparing. And some people got a jump start, apparently right on Thanksgiving, or the day after. And so last Sunday, in that, that little lull between Thanksgiving and the first Sunday of Advent, many people showed up decked out in Christmas apparel. And some of you may have been the ones that I jokingly said to, save something for Advent. But I loved the answer that Didi gave me. Didi said, look, I'm 92. I don't know how many more Christmases I have. I'm going to do this now. <laughs> more power to you, Didi. I love the idea that we are getting ready and that there is excitement. Because I always try to think about how Mary may have processed after the angel left. What was it that occurred to her after this huge prophetic and theological information was dumped upon her? After the angel leaves and that powerful presence of divinity vacates whatever room she was in, and there's a void when that happens, what did she feel in that moment? Did her fear become very tangible? Was she excited? We don't know. But I also know that before Mary was a long hard journey. And the scriptures in subtle ways let us know that the community didn't exactly surround her with love and support. We know that Joseph has to make a hard decision too. Will he stay with Mary or will he quietly set her aside as he is considering? That many people, because of what God is doing through Mary, have to make a difficult decision. How will they respond? Because everything seems to be so new and different with Mary. It doesn't fit with how we thought we understood God would work. It doesn't seem to be right that God would take a young virgin and then make her pregnant. How does that happen? And yet, Mary would not be sidelined. She had never been pregnant before. She doesn't know what she's getting into. And while I think all of us would love to believe that being pregnant with a Savior is a lot better than being pregnant with a human being, <laughs> pregnancy is not easy. Now, I know Hallmark paints it to be a beautiful thing, and I hope somewhere someone really enjoyed it. <laughs> but it's hard. And yet, none of that stops her. Never does she come back and say, Gabriel, I need to talk to you again. I've reconsidered your offer. <laughs> Instead, she makes the declaration, God is with her, God knows her, and God is giving her a gift. And she embraces that. She claims it as her identity. I am a servant of the Lord. Let me be identified by the one whom I serve. She is showing us the way. She is helping us to understand that what we do in Advent is serve God. And there are many masters who are seeking our attention right now in Advent. There's a retail master. There's a master of timing and scheduling and calendars and booking. There are expectations of our family and our friends. 
our jobs and our schools, our community. But at the end of the day, are we willing, like Mary, to place God's expectations for us first? You have already begun to do that in being here. By starting out Advent in worship, you are already on the path of Mary. You are showing God and all of us around you that you are willing to make this an important place in your Advent and in your Christmas. But God, like God was with Mary, is not through with us. Long before now in Crozet, actually before the proliferation of all the different denominations, ancient Christians decided that it was appropriate that we prepare ourselves for Christmas, that we needed time to get everything in order to make sure that Christmas would be truly significant and special. Advent is not in the scriptures. It's not something that Jesus or an angel or a prophet proclaimed that we should do. Instead, it is something that Christians determined was helpful, healthy, and wholesome. That for us to get ourselves ready is truly what is important in this time. And in doing so, in keeping Advent, in celebrating this time when we not only decorate our homes and the house of God, but we decorate our hearts, our words, and our deeds with Jesus Christ, then we are truly getting ready for Christ. Because we don't believe that Christmas is the end. It may be the end of the secular calendar, but it is only the beginning of the church calendar. It is letting us know that even after the baby fills the manger in every nativity, that there is still great things to come, greater than this. And how fitting and appropriate it is that this Advent we begin with Holy Communion. That Christ in divine wisdom and all knowledge has given us this holy meal that we might be enriched and encouraged by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, vacating our sin and our guilt and leaving room for joy, celebration, and salvation. That this would be the way that we would enter into this time. So that when Christmas Eve and Christmas Day worship arrive, that not only outwardly, but inwardly we are ready to truly celebrate. Because every Advent and every Christmas is a practice. It's a practice for us to get ready and be willing to welcome our Lord and Savior. We don't believe that Christ has abandoned us. We believe that he reigns in heaven and that a piece of him dwells in the heart of every Christian. But that Christ will come again and come in glory. And that this table before us will be expanded to an unlimitless encounter with our God and Savior. And every Advent is every Christian of all ages saying that we want to be ready when Christ returns. So let us try now. Let us work out how we will spend our days to be ready for Christ to return. Christ came to us once, and Christ will come again. And because of that, we, like Mary, with all courage and conviction, can stand, kneel before our Lord, and say, here are we, servants of God. May it be with us as you have said, Lord.
may it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.